Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1 with All Care Pharmacy. Need expert advice on your family's health? Speak to us today at All Care Pharmacy, Ireland's largest community pharmacy network. Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1. Nylan Cork says please thank Armando Inucci for his movie The Death of Stalin which is one of my absolute favourites you know what Niall I I watched it there during the week I had never seen it and actually with everything that's going on in the world right now it's it's worth a watch again I think it's from it's from uh, some years back but uh, it's really good it's a satire on the party and the death of Stalin and everything historically kind of accurate enough but uh, farce Uh, now we know the Irish film industry is uh, having a moment this year, but the Irish fashion industry is having a moment of its own. And I was saying uh, earlier there that the front page of the Sunday Times today is an image from last night's Alexander McQueen show at Paris Fashion Week. And it was the debut collection of their new creative director, Dubliner Sean McGurr. I'm joined now in studio by Barbara Power, who is fashion editor of the Irish Independent. Hi, Barbara. Hi, Brenton. Lovely to be here. And you're just back from Paris Fashion Week. I am. Unfortunately, I couldn't stay for Saturday night. And no, I don't think I would have got a, a, a ticket. It was the hottest ticket in town. Everyone wanted to see what he would do. And t- tell me, tell me about him. Who this is a big deal for an Irish designer to be at the helm of of the Lee McQueen house, isn't it? Yeah, it's and, one yeah. of the most important contemporary houses. And you know, Lee died very tragically. Um, Sarah Burton, who had worked with Lee, took over, and now Sean was appointed last October. And there was a lot of controversy at the time because they all said, "Oh, another white male uh, designer taking over a couture house," and. Um, Sean welcomed the discussion that went on after that. And in fact, last month, when they revealed the first images from the shoot uh, and some people were on, you know, saying, oh, I don't know, do I like that? And he was saying, no, discussion is good. So he's a very mature 35 year old. He's from Sutton. His family, his parents, his mum's a nurse. His dad has a a garage uh, beside Sutton. His two siblings all on the fro, all very proud. And uh, there was a lot of pressure, you know, on him. And how did he end up um, helming Alexander McQueen? Well, he went straight to London at 17 and he studied at the, in if um, he did a primary degree and then the famous Louise Wilson in um, Central St. Martin spotted his talent and invited him over. And she's the lady who would have guided, say, the early career of uh, Simone Roche, she would have seen her talent, and JW. And Sean started off with Uniqlo in Japan. Okay. He had done internships with Burberry. Then he went to my own favourite, Dries von Noten in Antwerp. Loved the brand. He did women's wear there. And then in 2020, he went to J.W. Anderson, J.W. from Mahara Felt. And uh, he did both men's and women's wear. So he knows what he's about. But it was there was a lot of pressure on him to, to produce the goods. And did he produce the goods? What was the reception like last night? The rece- well, it didn't help that he he started an hour late. He was waiting for his uh, his fro to arrive in in a wet uh, we, Paris. His fro. We should just explain to people his front, the front row. row. His yes. front row. Okay. So um, the show was very good, and one lovely Irish touch while we were waiting, all sitting, he he put you know we'll be here soon. He put it up in, in eleven languages, including Irish. Right. We'll be here, Galua. And um, did he have um, any other Irish aesthetic in the collection? Oh, it was coming down with Irish was references. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. So he played uh, some Sinead, um O'Connor music, and then finished with Enya's Ornoka Flow. And when I looked it up, that song was released 
a month after he was born in 88. And I'd say that mu- that's music that he heard in the home and that, you know, subconsciously went got into his head. And backstage, there are some lovely interviews with him backstage if anyone wants to get a feel for the guy. They're all up on Instagram. But Susie Menkes interviewed him and asked him about, you know, the Irish influences. And he explained, well, he had left <clears throat> early on uh, to, to go to London 17. He wasn't surrounded by fashion as a young guy. But that subconsciously, you know, there's references there in the collection. There was um, some great knitwear, you know, chopped up iron knits, which were acid dyed. And then there was uh, an Irish model, the lovely Saiva O'Reilly. She modelled this incredible black jumper with a huge double collar. And I looked at it and I said, God, that looks like two black tyres hanging around her neck. I wonder, was he influenced by hanging around his or dad's the, garage yeah, as a young yeah. fella? But um, yeah, I mean, he it was a tough gig. And there was a lot of noise afterwards, a lot of people chipping in their comments. Everyone wanted to see more Lee. Everyone wanted to see more Sarah. So he was kind of on a hiding to nothing. He had to show his own voice. And he did that. It was a fresh perspective. He went in and he looked at the Birds collection that Lee did in spring, summer 95. And he took elements of that and brought it forward and you know, it, okay, he but did people it through would his be lens. very protective of the DNA of of a particular designer, would they? Even if that designer is gone, yeah. Yeah, well, he's in the house. You see, he's the third creative designer. He's the first one that didn't work with Lee. Okay, you know. Yeah, we actually have a clip from uh, Susie Menke speaking to Sean McGurr backstage last night. So she asked him what his earliest memories of Alexander McQueen were and how that influenced his designs. I moved to London from Dublin when I was yes. 17 and my first McQueen memory was um, going to uh, the store and looking at how the jackets were constructed. I really think it's important to try and evoke the essence of McQueen. It's sort of, for me, about singular characters that have very strong personalities and this also sense of being an outsider, the kids who are on the fringes, on the outside of society. So, so excuse me. <laughs> He's underlining there that he's keeping the essence of, of McQueen. He's yeah. obviously been been hearing the the criticisms. Um, so you mentioned J.W. Anderson and, and Simone Rocha. Mm. Were they both um, at Paris this year? No, no. They yeah. show in, um, in London. OK. And what other Irish designers are doing well right now? So, uh, well, there's the wonderful Roisin Pierce. She's from Rathfarnham. She had her show on Friday in the Irish Embassy. They threw open the doors and welcomed her in. And she did a repeat performance, the models walking the beautiful rooms. She's an incredible talent. She was a finalist in the Louis, uh, the LVMH Prize in 2020. A lot of eyeballs on Roisin. She works with crochet and lace and she's all about Irish heritage. Very fine, very feminine and now the important Dover Street market they've signed her up so okay. that opens her up to a whole new international audience. Okay and if she's if she's been in connection with LVMH and that so is is the passage for these people normally then that they might get brought into the big houses ultimately? Well you know it's interesting you bring that up because Simone Rocha obviously owns her own house and she shows in London but this year in January she was invited to be guest designer for uh, Jean-Paul Gaultier and she did an absolutely wonderful show and there was so much speculation. 
you know, she was dipping her toe into couture without having to be in a couture house. And the million dollar question is, what will happen now? Will she want to, will she consider becoming a creative director of uh, one of the couture houses? Because that brings a lot of pressure. I mean, anyone who goes to see the the new uh, documentary about John Galliano, you can see the pressure, like it's up to 14 collections a year. Yeah. And if you're also running your own brand, your own eponymous brand, as well as being a, a, a creative director, that could be up to 32. OK, so now you mentioned the couture there mm. and I suppose a, a, a lot of what uh, we will see ourselves is ready to wear stuff mm. that you'll actually yes. see coming onto the high street or whatever. Yes. As you Is couture then off this thing on its own like that is nothing to do with the real world? Well, it means high sewing. And uh, interestingly, uh, during the war, the Second World War, um, there was a, a discussion would they try and move the haute couture business to London. And they said, oh, no, it's staying in Paris. So it is centred in Paris. They reckon that there's only about 4,000 customers with the money to buy couture. Wow, right. But it's, it's, it's important. Couture influences the ready-to-wear market and then ready-to-wear collections influence uh, High Street. However, there are exceptions. If you look at Coco Chanel, you're probably one of the most famous uh, couturiers of them all. <clears throat> Her famous, iconic edge to edge jacket, um, boucle, you know, interesting yarns, pearl accessories, that has filtered down to the high street and remains a constant. And then I mentioned Simone Roche. I mean, and for her ready to wear, she did these pearl barrettes, these slides. Oh, my God, the high street couldn't move fast enough to interpret them. So, you know, fashion at both ends of the marketplace, you know, influences, but influences the high street, but it's more so ready to wear. OK, so so the ready to wear that was we mm. saw at Paris this week, that is what is it spring, summer 2025? No, or it's autumn, it's winter? autumn, winter uh, 24. OK, so, so as we speak, our high street and online fast fashion retailers taking those pictures and doing knockoffs already. Is that how They're it works? They're looking at them. They'll certainly be looking at the colour palettes. Um, I'm sure they'll be influenced by the, the wide legs. There were, you know, very unusual trousers, very full. If you imagine the flare multiplied by 10. Um, um, I'm sure a lot of them, you know, like this morning now, Sean McGurr will be getting up to start working on spring, summer 25. And, you know, he has great conviction, great confidence. Um, you know, I don't know how many of the pieces were, were people, there were gems in there, but were there enough is the question. But what I would say, and we had discussed Susan Menkes earlier on, she's the longest serving fashion writer and she liked the collection and she described it as a carefully planned success story. So she's the grand dame. Her, she's her, the grand dame. She liked um, Approval is important. OK, so then... Um, what are the big stories or, the, you know, what are the big looks we're going to be seeing coming into our own lives? I always feel it's, is it always uh, nostalgia and looser tailoring? That seems to be it every year, the, the big new stories. Well, you're good on the, yeah, the nostalgia. I mean, and they do tend to go back and like Maria Grazia Churi at the, um, at Dior, she would constantly go and look at the, the house's motifs and their codes. And interestingly enough, this year she did a whole graffiti Print, which was Miss Dior. Um, um, 
lots of nostalgia. There is a lovely, beautiful collection from Chloe. There's a new designer, a new German designer there. And that was pure 70s and very romantic. There's lots of denim, double denim. Uh, lots of sheer really? transparency. Oh, Status quo coming back. Eh? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> right. Um, Are we talking matching double denim or? Yeah, yeah. wearing it all up. <laughs> okay, I see. So that's what we're all going to be bit, wearing A next bit year. more stylish now and a bit more feminine than, than uh, status quo. But Okay, you know. okay. And listen, finally, you you had a moment with uh, the famous photographer Annie Leibovitz when you were in Paris. I did. Oh, gosh, it was so good. So I had got a call from um, uh, Sweden earlier, late last year, that they were planning an event during Paris Fashion Week and they wanted to know, you know, wanted to discuss various aspects. And I was, um, anyway, I was invited to the show. No, I couldn't uh, get a, an interview. I wanted to because I'm big into photography. So on the day, um, I asked her questions. I asked her about what camera she used and did she still shoot film? And later, a private moment upstairs, she was just standing there and I thought, oh, go for it, Barbara. And um, I asked her about the shoot that she did for American Vogue and Kerry back in 2013. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she had lots to tell me about that. And at the very end, I, I asked her could I have my photograph taken with her? I don't normally do it. I'm always taking photographs of influencers at gigs. I never want one. But I asked her and uh, she, I thought it was going to be her assistant and not at all. She took my phone. She took my photograph. But better, again, it was a selfie. So she said to me, lean in and she took a photograph of the two of us together. But Annie Leibovitz took the picture. Yeah. Wow. Excellent. OK, well, look, um, I'll let you go because I want to I want to get the show finished and rush out and get a denim jacket before the <laughs> shoes up in prices. Barbara Power, thank you very much. We'll take a break. Email brendan at rte.ie. 